Hey everybody, Anthony here. Uh, when we're not playing games, my kids and I love arts and crafts. My daughter has been known to stay up way too late behind a sheet, drawing and gluing in secret. So we go through a lot of supplies and frequently we run out of projects for her. Let's Make Art takes the guesswork out of picking paint and art supplies for new projects, offering top quality supplies that are perfect for the kids and the rest of us. The kids can learn art and lettering from professional instructors, and subscription boxes for ages 5 to 11 are full of the materials and tutorials needed for fun and creative projects. Let's make art simple, together. Check out Let's Make Art today by going to our special link, zen.ai slash boardgamersanonymous. That's zen.ai slash boardgamersanonymous to get 20% off. Coupon code is activated at checkout. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast with board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 370, Board Game Geek Hotness. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. And speaking of brand new episodes, Anthony, we are talking about the brand new-ist, hot-ist, Games that are burning up the list, we are talking about Board Game Geek's hotness list for our feature review this week. Yeah, this is always fun. Uh, we haven't done it in a little while because we've had all these special episodes. We're talking about Kickstarter wins and losses. We're talking about our bracket for the year, all sorts of cool stuff. But uh, this week, we're going to go through the Board Game Geek hotness, and there's a lot of good stuff on there this time. Sometimes uh-huh. there's like three or four new games, but... This time around, there's a good 20 new games since the last time we talked. So uh, some cool announcements, some big money sinks, some uh, stuff getting <laughs> shipped out there to people. You know I the know. drill. So <laughs> I, I like to think of these episodes, Anthony, as our water cooler episodes back in the day when that was actually a thing. I don't know. How old do you have to be to know about water cooler talk? Ugh, I don't know. That's is a that a question. boomer thing? That's, I'm not a boomer, but I, I'm wondering if that's a boomer thing where I back think it's in the just pre-streaming, right? So is like, it pre-streaming? Okay. Yeah, like when we all watched the same stuff. Oh, that old. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years? Maybe 20, 20 years. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, there was this uh, there was this idea or concept or what had occurred in office places was you would go to work. Remember work? That place that did not kill you. <laughs> so you would go to work and either before or during the day, you would go over to the water cooler to get water because clearly, you know, I don't know, hydration was a thing. Not to mention, you know, I guess coffee breaks and stuff like that. So the idea was that, you know, employees would gather around to kind of talk about, you know, the sports of the day or the news of the day. And that was a thing, I guess, until everyone brought water bottles to work. And now we, it's not a thing anymore. You bring your own water. So we don't really have that kind of like convening of the latest and greatest, especially like, we don't, you know, counting up the score, who's hot, who's not, who's rising, who's dropping. So this is our water cooler episode or water bottle episode or I don't know faucet episode because most of us are working from home these days yeah so i think it's a good thing because we have the opportunity to sit down and just discuss as this huge board game audience that we are about the hottest games out there because i like to talk about this stuff it's a lot of fun 
And again, even just the predictions about how games are moving, if they're moving up, if they're moving down, you know, expectations about board games. I think, Anthony, you mentioned like a minute ago about like some of these like super duper board games, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later, but how they hit the market and then do they rise or do they fall? Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a big question of uh, some things really catch fire and some things don't. Um, you sent me a thread yesterday, I think. Eric Lang was talking about how he, he if, if you asked him two, three years ago about like what kind of game Wingspan would have been. Oh, yeah. You, that wouldn't have done anything. And now it's sold 1.4 million copies. Crazy. Like no one guessed that. I like, kind of did. You said it'd be <laughs> successful, but literally no one can guess that a hobby game is going to sell one and a half million copies. Yeah. So, well, I, that's insane. I, yeah. I just had a feel for it for some reason. It was just like you look at the game and it just seemed like it was honestly more than just a complete package. The idea, the artwork was great. The game concept was great. The the graphic design was great. That The fact that they had that, you know, the birdhouse as, as a dice tower, which was obviously brilliant. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. But again, yeah, I remember back in the day talking about, you know, hotness. When that game hit, obviously all the uh, the bird enthusiasts, I guess somehow they found out about this or there's some this weird diagram between board gamers and bird watchers. And like, I remember the game was going for, and again, this was just what it was going for. Not that people are paying for it, but it was going for like a thousand dollars or more. It was crazy. It was just, it was insane. Absolutely not. So that's the hotness, everybody. <laughs> I don't, I don't think we have any wingspans on our list this month, but uh, it's fun to guess which ones will be the next. <laughs> ah, there we go. All right. See, look, look, I am well known, Anthony as the man who can predict the future. It's recorded oh. on the podcast. We used to do this all the time. Sure, sure. Drew got burnt by my prediction. Don't don't mess with me, bro. I, I'm telling you. you. You wanted tapestry. I wanted wingspan. Just saying, bro. Just saying. Remember I said it was going to crawl up the one, top 100? Remember? Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. This is all I, I have. This is I all know, I have, man. man. I already gave <laughs> you. are good. You're good. I, we're all with you. Wingspan is a good game. It's huge. <laughs> I am so lucky to have the ability to predict board games and not stocks. I just have to say that. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, a lot of other people. In life. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> he has a superpower. It is the most useless superpower possible. <laughs> so we will be talking about all that in a little bit. But before we talk about that, Anthony, uh, we have something more important to talk about with is whatever all our listeners are talking about. What's our question of the week? All right. Question of the week this week. I asked everybody, what is the number of plays a game took before it clicked and you started enjoying it? So this doesn't necessarily mean that you hated the game the first couple plays, but maybe the first few times you're like, it's not quite clicking. I don't really understand it. I don't really know where I'm going with this. Like how many times did you have to play it before it really clicked in? So uh, we have a lot of good answers here. Uh, Brock mentioned Scythe took about nine to 10 games to figure out what it's about. Okay. It's a tricky sure. game. It masquerades as a dude who's on a map game. Um, but at its heart, it's an efficiency euro. So once you kind of figure that out, it clicks in and you get it. Uh, Tom mentions Agricola hated feeling incompetent. Now, after half a dozen plays, I f- like feeling incompetent. <laughs> so... I'm with you. That's great, I'm with Tom. You. That I is Agricola. You, Tom. That's fantastic. (laughs) 
Uh, Josiah mentions Kingdom Builder. Took about 15 plays. Got really frustrated initially because I thought the luck of the draw for the cards determined the game too much. Finally clicked that the game was all about mitigating the luck on your own. So, yeah, it definitely luck in that game, but it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's about mitigating it as best you can. Um, sure. Martin mentions Terraforming Mars with three to five plays. Uh, kept being taught the wrong way to play. Oof. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but once I got to play it the right way, I really enjoyed it. That'll do it. <laughs> so, um, uh, Tim says heavy games are the classic answer to this question. So generally, games like that will take two to three plays to fully understand all the moving parts and how they interact. Um, for him in particular, it's the simple games, though. So he mentions Lost Cities, Hey, That's My Fish, Coloretto, Water Lily. These games, the enjoyment has grown over time with repetitive plays, which I'm kind of on board with that. Like for me, I can kind of get a sense if I like a heavy game or not after one or two plays. Mm-hmm. I may not get it fully. I may not do well at it. Like sure. famously, I played Food Chain Magnet. And my first experience, I was like beat red and angry half the game because I messed up early and I knew I was losing <laughs> for two and a half hours. I knew I was losing. Sure. But after the game, it was stuck in my head and I kept thinking about it. And I was like, OK, this is a good game. Uh, but small games, short games, they take 10, 15 minutes. You you might have a bad experience once. You don't know if the game is good or not based on the 15 minutes you spent playing it. You got to play it again. So I, I'm kind of with Tim on that one. Um. Uh, Willie mentions Welcome to tried it for four plays, uh, and, and in this case, he, <laughs> he kind of goes against the spirit of the question. But he says, "Didn't really get it. Not wasting any more time on it." Um, <laughs> and that's, I guess, the line at which you know you kind of move on from a game if it's not a good fit for you. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good answers there. I, I guess for me, I'm trying to think of like the best example, but the one that pops into my head is Seven Wonders. Uh-huh. Um, the first three or four plays of that game, it just, for whatever reason, didn't really sit with me well. Uh, I think just because I didn't really have a sense of what the card flow was, what was in each of the decks. Mm. And definitely the first couple of times I wasn't taught the game well or at all. They were just like, here's a hand of cards, pick one, put it in front of sure. you. I'm like, yeah, that is all the rules, but I don't know what I'm trying to do. <laughs> like, Yes, I do get a hand, I pick a card, and I move on. But I don't actually understand what, why I'm doing that. Um yeah, I think for me, there's there's several games like that where, you know, you play a heavy Euro and it takes at least a game or two to kind of get a sense of it. I think that the one that really or I didn't want to say the one that really did this to me. I know that you are a big 18 double X fan mm. and I still have yet to play an 18 double X, but there are several games that I've played that really challenged my thinking because I got such in the groove of playing Euro games, which are primarily all about building up an engine. And then when you play games like 18 double X, where you're building things out to the board that are not necessarily yours, but you want Mm. other people to use to score money and points. So like brass, for example, where Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, I want to build this and this and this, and now you're using it. And therefore you used all my resources. Oh, wait a minute. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of those games really have challenged my thinking about that because it just it was contrary to everything that I kind of like built into my brain about how to play board games. Right. How do you build up a, an engine? How do you build up, you know, get all the resources you need? How do you capture an area on a map? And now these games are 
you know, the opposite of that. Like you don't want to do that. You want to be out in the open. You want to be tied to other people or, you know, even with Terra Mystica where you want to build off other people or build close to other people. It's just like, why would I want to do that? But that's exactly what you need to do. And those games always take me an extra beat to remember that this is different than how I would, I would just traditionally play a game. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I I definitely remember having a similar situation with the first time I played played Brass. Uh, City of the Big Shoulders was similar. Yes, um, that's what I was thinking of too. Yeah, and like it, by the time I got to eighteen XX, I had played those games a few times sure. and kind of understood the core ideas. But I certainly played eighteen XX games with people who don't wrap their head around that right away, and it's very frustrating. You can it's see very it. different. It's so yeah. different. It's a different mindset. And it's not just like, oh, you build things so other people use them, but like you are disconnected from what you're doing. Like what you're doing on the board oftentimes has, you know, you don't have control or interest. I mean, I think one of the games that, you know, that initially kind of started this or maybe the first game that started this was Imperial, where it was you were basically an oligarch. And you are taking control of countries. So you start the game and you get a European or, you know, um, Western and Eastern European, Asian country. And then you're like, all right, cool. Here's your country. Here's your factories and your, you know, your military. Go take over things. And you build up your military and stuff. And then people start buying basically stock in that country. And you're like, wait a minute, this is mine. No, 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 not yours. And then also like, you really want what you want to be able to do is build it up so much that at some point it becomes so valuable that you can now cash it out. So you want to bankrupt that company once you hit a mark and like then move on and buy something else, you know, buy, buy low, sell high, or even acquire where you're building this kind of like business empire. But really what you need to do is be taken over by other companies. Yeah. And it's, it's like, Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Why isn't how this is supposed to work. It's crazy. It's really, it's so different than the the traditional Euro games or like even the war games where you're trying to secure areas on the map. And it's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why not build a resort so your enemies can use it? You're like, I don't see, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, that's how the games play. You're like, really? That doesn't seem like a thing. Yeah, so, build it up and cash out. It's the American dream, man. Oh, it really works again. I, I I really have to force my brain to think differently. Yeah. For that. So yeah, no, I agree with everybody out there. Agricola, especially because anytime yeah. a game has cards in it, and it's just like those cards are instrumental, especially when it comes to a draft. And you're like, I remember when I was playing a game of Agricola, and there was a card that was just like this straight up hardcore negative card, but gave you like good resources. And I'm like, why would I want to take massive point loss, even though you're getting resources? So I passed that card and then another card came into my hand. I don't know if I think it was the Madonna or something where it like it uh, wipes away or cancels negatives. And I'm just mm. like, oh, I get it now. And But it's too late. And then the person did pick up both of those cards because they knew it was in the deck. So I was just like, OK, I got to know the cards. Or I think even now I played uh, Runes of Arnak, which I've now played at least a dozen times online at this point or more. And now I understand the cards a lot more. I know what to wait for. I know how the combos work together. I know about going up the track. And you don't know that initially. You're just like, 
Bohr, do the Bohr things. It's like, nope. <laughs> or like you say, terraforming <laughs> Mars, right? Terraforming Mars, you would think terraform the planet. And as you're terraforming the planet, someone's building a tableau of like 35 different plant cards. And you're like, what does that do? And he's like, watch. And everything kind of triggers. You're like, oh, I hate you. Yeah, terraforming Mars is a fun one. I was actually just writing about this for, for school. And you, you think... You do. You think that the game is about like, yeah. this collaborative, cooperative thing, and it's like, no, it's not. It's about making the most money for your company, and but you it's just also about the cards. Them. Yeah, but like your yeah. tableau is the goal, right? Yes. And then the terraforming is a byproduct of that. And honestly, that's the thing I really dislike about Terraforming Mars, the video game, because right, having played the game, they focus so much. I understand that the graphics of Mars, right? But they the board is like all is the, is like ninety percent of that game where the cards are shrunk down to like these little icons. I'm like, shrink the board, you know, like you could just easily zoom into the board, drop a thing, and then zoom back out to the cards. Let me see my tableau, but the tableau mm-hmm. is very hard to see in that game. And I'm just like, this is unplayable for me. I love Terraforming Mars, like it's one of my favorite games of all time. But I'm like, I need to see the tableau. That's that's yeah. what's essential for me. Sure. So yep, yep. All right. So if you'd like to join us on all the fun little things that we talk about the water cooler, especially our question of the week, which comes each and every week, Anthony posts on Facebook and Twitter. But please do not forget BoardGamersAnonymous.com. Anthony puts so much good work into that website. It has amazing content. Do you love this episode? There's a lot of other episodes just like this. And again, you can join us and all our Patreon backers and all this special Patreon backer content that's up there. Patreon.com slash BGA. Please join us and help keeping the water cooler cool so anthony that's what's going on with our listeners let's talk about what's going on with us and our acquisition disorders what do you have up for us this week all right so we have spent i'm gonna say at least a year maybe two years now talking about how these big box special edition ultra mega expensive re-releases of our favorite games are a waste of money and we won't back them anymore (laughs) and then Maybe we shouldn't do do this section. Maybe we should skip this section. Because I think this this, is going to be pain. for our mental health? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Uh, So, Castles of Burgundy Special Edition. Uh, This popped up (laughs) in my feed this morning. And at first, I thought it was fake. And I know it's not April Fool's. But it says, it said by Awaken Realms. It didn't say by Alea or Robinsberger. It said Awaken Realms, the company that makes these big, sprawling miniatures games. They're making a special edition of Castles of Burgundy. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then I open it and look, they are making a special edition of the Castles of Burgundy. <laughs> and there's a big giant 3D castle. I say giant. I don't know how big it is, but it's a 3D castle. Um, so this is coming to GameFound. I don't know when. They don't have a timeline on here, but probably in the next month or two. And it is a partnership between Alea and Awaken Realms to bring the Big box, fancy, beautiful version of the Castles of Burgundy that we've all been asking for for like 10 years. You know, we got the 10th anniversary edition three years ago, and it was barely better than the base game. (laughs) Barely. Um, And so we don't know a ton about it yet. We know there's new art style. We can see the kind of the the look and feel of it. I like the artwork. It's bright, colorful. It's fancy looking. Um, we have new UX, they say, for easier gameplay, more readability. Basically, new designs on the tiles so you can actually see what they are and kind of how everything lays out on the board. Um, 
And then they have shown some metal coin concepts. So we know we're going to get some metal coins. Now, the coins in this game are not currency necessarily, so they don't do a ton. But you're going to have them, and they're going to be metal. Um, They showed some concept work for different player boards as well. A lot of different types. So who knows what they're actually going to look like in the final. And then they have the 3D castle. So we know there's going to be miniatures involved. Um, and everything else is just kind of up to us to speculate until they put the campaign up. I, I'll probably back this, which is frustrating. <laughs> I, I know it's going to be stupid expensive, but this is yeah. one of my favorite games. It is my favorite Stefan Feld game as it is for many people. It, you know, if, if nothing else, because it's the one I can get played, <laughs> people will play this one. <laughs> um, and so it's annoying. It's another one of these things of like, I have all this stuff for it. I have all the expansions. I have both versions of it, actually. Um, all the Even the hard-to-find promos I picked up over the years. And now they're going to put this in front of me, and it's probably going to be like $150. And I'll be like, ah, fine. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm i struggling to think of what they can even upgrade here that's going to make it that expensive, but they'll find a way. They'll figure it out. We'll have miniatures for all the tiles or something. It'll be dumb. But it'll be pretty, and it'll sit on my shelf next to Suburbia and never get played. <laughs> I, I mean, a couple things. I mean, there's so much to talk about here. If only we had a podcast, then we could talk I about just... other things, Anthony. You know, <laughs> tell you. So, I mean, first and foremost, when this came out, and you had sent this to me, because you know, I'll talk about the ones that I that I've seen recently. I felt like the first thing that we should be doing going forward, and I, I, I even I just even hate to say it, but like we should start doing reaction, you know, videos. Like, you know, like a movie trailer comes out and like the person's like, oh, I can't believe it. Like, I think that's I think that's where we're at now. I feel like that's where we landed. You know, like we're at this point where these games are so incredibly ornate and they are, you know, loves of all of ours that they almost deserve that kind of just overwhelming, emotional, silly upheaval and like. You know, like like a lot of the YouTubers out there, like they'll cry. They'll just yeah. be like, I can't believe they did it. I can't believe that they brought back the game that I used to play. And I have three versions of already. And it has these new things that I really don't need. But it's $300 more, so I'm going to buy it. But, you know, I, I honestly do feel like this is the this is going to be the, the future, right? Because I, I we've talked about this for many years. I, I, I'm also going to throw this in here because, you know, why not? Is this was something that we had talked about for one of our future New Year's Eve or New Year's, New Year's Day or something. This was another future prediction, right? That these games were just going to be like Uber Deluxe versions and just nothing else at this point. But speculate if you would with me, Anthony. I know that weirdly enough, they did not give us a ton of information. This is literally kind of like a teaser trailer, which is also, right. again, very weird. But I think this is now the world we live in. That castle is not just a 3D castle. Am I am I correct with thinking that this might actually be, I mean, I don't know, res at, at least resin? This we're talking a thick, heavy resin. If not, I I, I would speculate it's not going to be stone, right? We're not looking at something like next level, are we? Is this? Is this I don't the know. <laughs> it depends on it how much look, money they want to charge. It's painted, right? Yeah. We're talking about something. It's this is not cardboard. This is not paper. This is not chipboard. This is something real, right? At least I don't know, though, because Awakened Realms does the sun drop thing. 
where uh-huh. for their miniatures, they'll they have like the spray on thing that adds basically like shadows and texture. So like they did Lords of Hellas. I have that. And it's all the sun drop stuff on it. Yeah, um, that's what it looks like. So it, it's probably just plastic, but it's really ornate and fancy looking. It looks big. Uh, it does look big, but it has a hex base. So it makes me think that it is a game piece that you put on your table. Are, so like when you play when you play the game. If, and if you haven't played this game before, like as Anthony was saying, these hex tiles, each of the hex tiles has a different kind of building or pasture or, you know, ship or like very specialized thing. So now I'm going to say something crazy. You need to you need to talk me down out of this. Right. This is not one of like one of the tiles, one of the, the, the dark green tiles in the game is a castle. Am I am I correct in that? Yeah. Yeah. The dark green ones are castles. Okay, and there and like typically, I think on a board, there's like three of those or so because like that one gives you a full extra turn. I think if I'm correct yeah, on that, it's three or four because there's different boards that you could get. Yeah, yeah. Now, is it possible that in fact that's what these tiles are going to be? Like you said, like or is this going to yeah. be like a yeah, right? This is going to be a um, uh, I was going to say a travesty. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I mean a tapestry. Same difference. Am I right, folks? Am I right? Oh, there you go. We'll Sick be here burn. all week. Don't. <laughs> but yeah, is that could that be a thing? I think so. I think oh, so. No. Because it, it has a hex base. So I think at least the castles are going to be three dimensional on your board, which means the box is going to come with, what, 15, 16 castles. Like, so Dude. that right there is a bunch of plastic. That's going to be so expensive. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, yeah, it will. I'm I'm again, I'm expecting like they did the re-release of Robinson Crusoe on here with all the fancy miniatures and stuff and I ended up not backing that even though that is also one of my favorite games because I could not justify spending I think it was like $230 to get yeah. all the stuff for that for a game I already own. Um I did it with Suburbia, but I it, yeah, I don't want to keep doing that. Right. It's it's hard. There's very few games now where I'm looking at I'm like that. I would still do that. Like if they re-release the anniversary stuff for War of the Ring, I would do that. But there's not a lot of other games at this point because it is like we've talked about the problems with doing it. It takes up space. The game's hard to get out. It's very expensive. What do you do with your old stuff? Um, this is one. If it's not. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how much it costs. <laughs> All right. So, all right. So over under. We've been talking about this over under, man. All in, I'm going to say 175. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, oh my God, what are we doing to ourselves? This is yeah. not good. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that, I hope it's the under, but. I don't, I, I mean, like you said, I, it's, it's all in 175. It doesn't seem outside the range, the range of possibility. Um, I'm going to say under just for my mental health because, <laughs> and my bank account. I think yeah. that's that's a thing too. So I'm going to say under 175 there, but I don't think I don't think that's unreasonable. I think 170. Yeah, I think it's wow. Okay, this is where we live now. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, just what it is. Yeah, it's it's you know I you know it wasn't too long ago that I was looking to buy a house and then realizing I couldn't afford it, and now I'm looking at board games and realize I can't afford it. <laughs> Like we need we need a list where we go through and be like, which of the games in our top one hundred would we pay this extra money for for an upgraded version? So I'm unbelievable, you know. Yeah. And and again, I feel bad too because, I mean, 
I, I mean, we've we've been doing a. I mean, I mean, is there anyone more crazy, insane in love with board games than we are? I mean, it's kind. I mean, it's, it would be a hard such hard press. And I mean, there was a day and age where we would buy endless numbers of like sleeves and Plano boxes and like upgraded components and things like that. And now, you know, like be careful what you ask for because these are like deluxe editions of board games along with the deluxe prices and again the deluxe shipping and everything else so it's and again i do feel bad because you know eventually if sooner than later if not already it's going to be a point where you're not going to be able you know if if you want to get into these kind of hobby board games you're not going to be able to pull these games off the shelf or try these games out and that was always the challenge with board games and i think this is the thing that the board game industry does not understand which is these games are at a higher cost than things that people are just generally used to spending money on. And honestly, between the rule book and the player count, both of which are typically bad, you know, like you pick up a board game for the first time and you're like, is this good? I'm hoping to get the best play out of it. But as we just talked about, you know, when we talked about our our listeners feedback was, is it sometimes takes several plays of a game, but if you're going to drop, $175 $175 on a board game because the, the original prints are out of print and they don't want to sell those anymore. Going to drop 175 on a game you don't know if you're going to like. I mean, I mean, I don't even want to go to the movie theater anymore because it's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right, well, speaking of too expensive, one of the other, and there's several others. I'm, I'm not going to talk about Radis because that's another super deluxe game. And also, uh, Suro came out with another super deluxe game that they were showing off at least just the, this inor- super ornate box with these gorgeous oh pieces. Oh my gosh, yeah, Suro, I forgot about that one. That Oof. one's pretty. Gorgeous, beautiful, and weirdly, again, this is what comes back to the idea that, like, why is it, maybe it's this is because, like, they are simplistic. I don't want to say simplistic, that's not really fair, but, like, they are a little bit more general i i guess or gateway like you know the amount of money that you're playing for a game which is just basically placing tiles on a board and then something happens but yeah that that looks like a gorgeous collector's edition as well i am talking about something that's a little more reasonable but also yet at the same time super problematic and crazy this is agricola 15 (laughs) (laughs) agricola 15 is the 15th anniversary of uve rosenberg's agricola big surprise there right so This is a super big box version of Agricola that has the base game. It has two expansion decks. It has promo items that have gone out of print, uh, some novelties. And again, it has some little extra bonuses here and there. But honestly, that's about it. So Agricola 15, you're going to get 430 cards. If you have never played Agricola, that sounds like a lot to you. But if you've played Agricola... Or if you own Agricola, especially if you own the additional decks like I do, 430 cards is not unusual. There's 200 tokens. Again, not unusual because Agricola uses a lot of resources and things in the game. And there's 270 wooden components. What's weird about this is, first off, it's a 15th anniversary edition when they just released a new version of it, which seems like five years ago, I think might be. I didn't check the date, so forgive me if I'm... Um, if I'm off by a year, I did buy it. So I, I I love Agricola. So again, it was, it was that kind of idea. I picked it up. This does not have the farmers of the more expansion. And if you're a big Agricola fan, 
you know that that's the best expansion because basically what it does is it covers over your, you know, the green land. So actually you have to take an action to remove those pieces that give you additional resources. So it adds an extra level to the game, but it's not more complex. It's actually a lot more fun and actually does speed the game up in some respects. And I like it a lot. And so it doesn't come with that. And it doesn't come with the five to six player expansion, which again was, which was a nice thing about Agricola was it's a worker placement game and there's card drafting in it too, but you could play with five to six players and it doesn't really slow the game down because you do need to take a long time to look at your cards. But when you take your actions, when you place out your meeple out there, it's very, very straightforward. There's not a complexity. There's not a snowballing. It's just like, I take wood, right? So the action time is very short, but five or six players is not bad because you do need to consider your cards, which are a main mechanic in the game. So this is kind of good, but also incredibly weird that this is coming out. It's coming out in October 2022, or so they say. It does not look in any way, shape, or form other than the really kind of cute little box there any different. So... Anthony, we all know you're the biggest Agricola fan out there, so I know you're picking this up. Pre-ordered already. It's coming. (laughs) And the weird thing, and the weird thing is, Anthony, this is not. This is not. How would you say this is not super deluxe? I don't. I don't know what's going on here, man. No, like you sent me the picture, and I was like, "Oh man, big giant box of Agricola incoming. Lots of money." And then I like I looked at the uh, the content list earlier today before recording, and I was like, "Oh, well, this isn't." This is nothing. <laughs> this is just what's already out and not even all of what's out and nothing new and nothing upgraded. It's just, a yeah, like you said, a big fancy box. And this, you know, this game came out, geez, what is it? 2007? I mean, it seems like about about the right time or so. But like, again, this they released the information about this on April 1st, April Fool's Day. So Anthony was like, really? And I'm like, I I guess so. It seems legit, but there's always like a lot of people and it didn't make any sense. Like a 15 year old, you know, 15 year version of this does not make sense. It, it, you know, it doesn't have everything in it. Give me everything in it and I'll buy it. Don't give me everything in it. Then why are you bothering me? Like, right. Just buy the other version of it. And again, like Castles of Burgundy, if this was like super deluxe now, if you're a Agricola fan, you'd also know that they did release actual like kind of figures and special decks to go with each of the player colors. I have not picked those up yet, and I'm sure they'll go out of print in like a half a second from now. But they were like $25, $30 for like one color. And I was just like, am I going to pay more to, for the figures than I am the game? Not so much, but I do regret it nonetheless. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go, man. There's a, there's another super deluxe version of a game that I, I don't know. I don't know. So <laughs> uh, why yeah, I'm with you, man? This one's easy for me, at least. Yeah, nope. I mean, even Castles nope, nope. of Burgundy. I like Castles of Burgundy. I'm not as big of a fan of it as you are, so I won't pick up the super deluxe version of it. But if they actually model out. You know, if there's actually miniatures to go with all those tiles, I mean, that's pretty incredible. I mean, I, they recently had the Catan version, which was the 3D version, mm-hmm. and that looked gorgeous, too. And that was $300. Yeah. So if that was $300. Yeah. Castles of Burgundy <laughs> could clearly be more than 175 Although, again, 
let's let's pray for our wallets and keep it under 175 but uh, but even that i think what was it 300 and then like a couple of months later it was 200 dollars or something like they dropped they, they kicked 100 off of it so they or right. 150 so not the right price for it but nonetheless good luck with you <laughs> good luck to all of you out there <laughs> save up your bitcoins kids all right, so that's everything for acquisition disorders. Now let's get to the games that got to the table, and we'll let you all know if those games are a buy. And you should run out and buy those games, even if they cost all the monies. Or if those games are a play, and you should sit down and play them because, man, they're enjoyable. Or if those games are a dodge, and you should avoid them because, again, all the monies. Or if those games are the dreaded burn, and you just figure the Bitcoin's a better investment than the giant castles of Burgundy. So, Anthony, you got a chance to get some games in. What'd you play this week? All right. Yeah, so I got a chance to play a game that's been on my shelf for a little while. Um, and it didn't get played right away because it came in a couple weeks before Arc Nova, and that was much higher on my to-play list. Uh, but this is Boone Lake. This is the newest game from Alexander Fister, and uh, released by Capstone Games. And it, at first glance, seemed like it was taking a lot of elements from his other games. So there's a a fair bit of Maracaibo in here. You're doing a lap of a lake. Um, you're building a tableau of cards. There's some great Western trail in here. You're stopping at different, you know, uh, locations and getting bonuses off the board, but it, it also has its own feel to it. Right. And the main reason it has its own feel to it is because of the action selection in the game. So setting the stage in this game, you are some kind of settler. I think in the future, and the only reason I say in the future is because on the board, we have kind of these weird looking technological things and these old factories that you're finding and scavenging. Um, and in the rule book, there's a lot of like circuits and stuff connecting things. But like all the things you're actually doing are like building towns and farming and placing cattle in pastures. So I think it's post-apocalyptic. They don't do a great job of bringing the theme through. Uh which, you know, I, I don't know how much I care. That's not really my huge thing, but it is kind of weird. We we did kind of ponder a little bit what they were trying to do with the theme here. Um, and so you are settling this region, right? There's multiple regions. You're going around through the lake in your little boat, and you're stopping in different areas and doing different things. Um, and so the, the flow of the game is actually fairly straightforward. Like, there's a lot to it, but the actual things you're doing are pretty simple. Um each round you're going to have, there's a tableau of actions available uh, and they're all available to you at any time, but the lower they are, the less distance you can travel on the river and traveling on the river will give you different bonuses. So you want to be able to get to where you want to be on the river to get the bonus you need at that time. Um, Also, if you pick one of the last two action tiles at the bottom of that list, you lose points because that means somebody used them recently. So they're being used a lot. So they lose points, right? And so each of these tiles has three things on it. There'll be a card you can play, um, and it'll be either a day card, an evening card, or a night card. There is an action you get to take as the person taking the tile. And then there's a follow action that everybody else can take. There's one tile that doesn't have a follow action, but the rest of them do. Um, And so you'll take your turn, you'll play a card, you'll take a worker, you'll place a a meeple on um, on your personal board or out on the board. Um, you'll build something, you'll expand and explore, whatever it might be. There's a bunch of different things you can do. Um, but the ultimate goal here is to get 
these buildings on your personal board off of your personal board to unlock new um, income and point opportunities to play new cards into your tableau to generate various resources and again points <laughs> you want points um, and that's what you'll do you'll just kind of go around and around and around and, and, and you'll do that until somebody triggers the end of the game um, you are going to move your ship every time and so that's kind of the built-in timer that the game offers so similar to Maracaibo where somebody could run ahead and once they get to the end of the track, everybody gets pushed to catch up with them. So the number of turns in a round depends on the fastest person on that lake, uh, how far ahead they jump. And you're going to do uh, two full laps of this space. So there's four gates that you'll pass through. So there's four rounds ish, but the actual physical thing you're doing is you're going around the lake twice. And um, that's more or less what you're doing on your turn. So the thing about the game is it's, it's hard not to talk about the similarities it has to other games, right? Because Alexander Pfister, similar to Uwe Rosenberg that we just talked about, or even Stefan Feld to some degree, iterates on a lot of elements of its designs, especially in the big boxes, right? So there are pieces in here of Great Western Trail, of Maracaibo, of some of his other games. But with the action strip mechanic, um, that's very different, right? You're not just like moving a piece and then taking an action. You're taking the action and then moving the piece. And the actions are what's most important here. Um, resource allocation has been, you know, pretty tightly managed. Like you don't actually actually hold your resources. You have little slots at the top of your personal board and a canoe that moves back and forth that gives you access to four different possible resources. You can upgrade that and get permanent ones as well. And so when you play a card, you just need to have the stuff. You never spend it. Um, so early in the game, there's a lot of jockeying and pushing and pulling, but later in the game, you generally have what you need and you just get to play cards. The result of that is there's not a ton of tension late game. You're just trying to get as many points as possible, but you can also just do all the cool stuff that you want to do, which is kind of fun, right? Uh, so it's, it's definitely not as tight as some other games, but it gives a lot of opportunities to do different things. Um, there's a lever system that I didn't actually do much with, but uh, definitely saw it being used at the table by other people. So you have 12 available actions on your board. And if you upgrade them effectively or activate them with a lever, you can use those actions each round. And sometimes more than that, if you reactivate them. So some of these are special abilities, some are ongoing abilities, some are scoring opportunities. It's just extra stuff you can do. So the game ends up being a little bit of a point salad as much as a Fister game can be. Um, there are, you know, uh, scoring opportunities at the bottom of the board. People will get different tiles at the beginning of the game. You're going to place them out and some of them will be allocated to individuals. So if you take, like if I place a scoring tile out in my space, if I then later score that as an achievement that I've accomplished, then I will get double the points. Whereas if somebody else does it, they just get the printed points. If I do somebody else's, I get the printed points. Um, it's like a, little things like that. So I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. It's it, it pulls together a lot of things. It iterates on a lot of different elements of his other games. Um, it doesn't feel as tight as I would expect it to, though, because it is iterating, right? It still went kind of long. Not as long as Maracaibo, but it was still a relatively long game. Um, the tracks were not particularly hard to move up on so i didn't find it difficult to complete the objectives that the game put in front of me and the last third of the game i was able to play almost every card i wanted to because i had upgraded all my resource tiles 
Now, part of that is that early in the game, nobody was stopping me from taking the different upgrades on the map. <laughs> so I got a lot of resource upgrades early. Like that might be tighter the more we play the game, but it still wasn't super tough to do that. Um, and like this, the tile thing is really cool, but the penalties for choosing a tile that's already been picked, it's two or three points, which is significant, but it wasn't so significant that it stopped me from doing it if I needed to. So I always took the action I wanted to. Uh, but it was still fun. The engine I built was fun. I got to play like 25 cards in front of me, which is always a fun thing to do. And they all chained off of each other. And yeah, it's definitely a game I would play again. I, I wouldn't say it's a buy. I don't know that many of Fister's games have been a buy for me lately. Um, but I enjoyed my experience with it. And I liked the new ideas that he brought into the game. Um, and I don't think it's worse than Marakaibo. I don't think it's necessarily better, but I do think it plays a little bit quicker and you have a little bit more control over the distance moved. Um, and there aren't quite as many rounds of that giant map to go through. So it's a solid play for me. I'll probably play it again a couple times. I don't know if this one will have super longevity, but I do want to kind of dig in and, and play with some of the other mechanics in the game. I, I think the first part for me, Anthony, and before I go into this, so like you own this game, right? Is this, is this, do you walk away with this game as a buy or are you recommending as a play? I know that you definitely want pe- people to take yeah, a no, look a at play. this. Like I said, it's a, it's play. a play. Okay. I, I say that because like, I, I really want to get into this a little bit because as you said, for Fister's games, this game seems to be, I don't know, like the everything bagel of Fister board gaming. Like it's a, it's honestly a little bit of everything. So would you, now having played this game and having owned his other games or played his other games, where what's your thought process? Someone has never bought a Fister game or someone's never played a Fister game. You're generally recommending them for plays. Do you pick this one up because it has a lot of the tried and true mechanics from his other games? Or do you pick those other games up because it's mainly just that mechanic? Like, what do you do in that case? Because this is like... This is a very weird scenario. Like we played, we talked about Uwe Rosenberg earlier, where his his games are well known for like doing one kind of thing. Like it's the polyomino game or it's the farming game, right? But this is like mechanically, it's just a couple of mechanics. You you just see it. You play this game and you're like, oh, this is this and this and this is this is I've seen these things in other places. Right. His other places. So do you buy this or do you buy the others? Or do you what do you what would you say? What would you recommend? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I've never been a big fan of Great Western Trail. I know you aren't either. So yeah. like that's that's the popular choice. That's the highly ranked one. That's what yeah, he yeah. wants. So that's probably the most distilled of any of his games because it's relatively simple to teach and to play through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it personally because I don't enjoy it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and Maracaibo, I love the mechanics of Maracaibo. I wish it was shorter because <laughs> I really enjoy playing that game solo and I like yeah. building you're like building out the map for yourself which is very cool um, Boon Lake kind of removes that element of it and it's just your own personal tableau and you're moving around the map and then it just feels like okay well you remove something I do like from the game but you did make it a little shorter and I do get to play a lot more cards yeah so, I don't know they all end up being kind of on the same level for they me. do yeah and that's not a bad thing they're all good games they're just 
I'm trying to think of the last game of his that I would say was great. And I, I don't know that any of them are like, I love sky stands alone. Cause it's different. Oh my goods and port Royal stand alone. Cause they're kind of different. They're all smaller card type games. Sure. Um, like give me a new theme on Mombasa. The mechanics in that are really good. Yeah. Uh, but like blackout Hong Kong was a little, um, mm-hmm. disappointing expedition to new Dale is very good, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a buy because we have all my goods, which is cheaper. Sure. So I, I still think Maracaibo might be my favorite of his yeah. bigger box things, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I love it. Yeah. That one runs too long for me. Like you said, that yeah, that's it just too long. It overstays its welcome. And then I start getting grumpy because I'm just yeah. like, because <laughs> it's, it's just, it's the same game over and you're just playing, you're doing the same thing over and over again. And it, it just doesn't peak or it doesn't, doesn't, nothing comes of it, so to speak, as, as far as just building out your tableau. Yeah, Boom Link was a weird one for me. I mean, first and foremost, we talked about how the mechanics could be seen in other places. The theme for Mombasa is problematic as all get out, but it is mechanically one of my favorite games of all time. Like, I just, there's something about the tracks, how they're, they're switchable. There's something about, you know, the board, there's something about the card play and and you pick up the decks. Like it's fantastic. I know he's reprinting it with a better, you know, more conscious theme. So we're looking forward to that. That being said, like you mentioned, a lot of the other small games in between are which are really good, but the more recent board game things have been just generally disappointing. Obviously he's taken note or and or flack for some of the stuff he's done, you know, in his board games historically that have been problematic this seems like a weird overcorrection problematic board game where like mechanically it has all of his other games in it, but thematically like it's terribly incorporated in the most weird way possible. So like the cards are like very Western-y and then there's cows, but as you mentioned, it's in the future and, there's a lake, but it, the lake seems, as one of the players said, more like a river that you're traveling down. You know, so it's like right. I don't. And the board is kind of visually unappealing. Like it, it's it's just a lot. It, even the artwork is fine, but it's also weird and and repetitive. And I, I just I never knew I never I could I never felt any particular way about the the thematics of the game whatsoever or the cards mechanically as you said and i agree with you it played a lot shorter and yet i was able i felt and i was able to do a lot more than any of his other recent big games and that was enjoyable so i really like the idea that you start and once we figured out the rules because it's a hodgepodge it's like it's it's a hot mess of like random mechanics and random themes but once you start playing it you get the you get the flow then yeah, I love the idea of those actions being on like, you know, a, a certain like selection board. You pick it up, you move that that number of spaces, and you get to do the things because it's very streamlined. We did run into a situation with four players that at the end, several of those actions were not beneficial because the second part of those actions were laying tiles, but all the spaces were taken up. Uh, I think you mentioned Anthony. Maybe at three players, the game might be better because it allows right. for more open space and allows those actions to still be viable it also does run into that problem where you are going to end the game based upon the player who moves along the quickest and gets to the final end but there's really no way to tell how good you are doing in comparison to other players because 
it's a pretty extensive tableau. There's no way to look over someone's shoulder and go, oh, you're going to score like 75 or 200 points for that. There's just no way to know. And there's other players in the game there too. So I never really felt like I knew how well. And I think we went around the on the game. We're like, oh, you're winning, you're winning, you're winning. You got this, you got that. But it's it's kind of a weird thing. I don't I I don't I will never buy this game just primarily because it's just it's a hodgepodge of hot mess theme pasted on all over the place and the mechanics are kind of all over the place. But I will say though, it does kind I mean it's it's between a dodge and a play for me, honestly. Like I would never seek this game out, but if like you were playing this and you were like, hey, do you want to play this or any of his other recent games? I'm like, I'll play this. Like I felt like I was doing things. I felt like I was accomplishing things. Some of the mechanics are not intuitive, but nonetheless, as far as a Fister game is concerned, it's weirdly the better ones of the more recent ones, which is weird, but I don't know. This would never be something I would seek out. And I was, you know, a little disappointed, but I don't know. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's hard because like I I wouldn't say disappointed for me because it's more or less what I expected based on his recent games. Like yeah, it does all the same kind of things and it does yeah. them fine, but it doesn't elevate it in any meaningful way. So is is enjoyable to play, but if I have my shelves in front of me, I'm like I don't know how often this one will hit the yeah hit the table again. So I, I don't think I'm far off from where you are on this one. Yeah. All right, well, I want to talk about a game that was recently on Kickstarter and just recently delivered. This is Canvas Reflections, the deluxe edition. Now, Canvas has been out for quite some time. It was an earlier Kickstarter back in 2021. I passed on it because it seemed like a very expensive light game. And I don't mind light games. I'm always trying to engage family and friends who don't play board games. And I'm always looking for innovative themes. So the idea of painting a canvas by utilizing a card crafting system where you have a sleeve that has a background kind of just generic image. And then you slot into that sleeve different of these plastic kind of inserts that when you put three of them together puts together a whole picture. And then based on that picture, in particular, the icons on the bottom of the picture, you will score points based upon a randomly selected number of awards that come along with the game. So I was like, oh, this is a very cute game. I admire this game. I You can even hang the box up on the wall, but it was very expensive. And again, I can't tell you how many games I bought that were of this weight and I think the game itself is listed currently at about a 1.65 on Board Game Geek, thinking family and friends are going to play it, only for them to go, eh, I don't think so. I'm like, cool, because no one I at my game group is going to play this. So, yeah, I just spent a lot of money on a game that no one will play. But we know from playing board games that artwork costs money, and artists deserve to get paid because the artwork's amazing in this game. It's very imaginative and innovative. It reminds me of Dixit. I love Dixit. I bought almost all of Dixit. I mean, there's probably stuff that I have not found. And I'm, and again, that's a very light part, party game, although it does do something a little more for me than Canvas necessarily does. And again, it wasn't on Kickstarter, so it wasn't all the monies. But nonetheless, I passed on it, and then it got very good reviews. I haven't got, I didn't get a chance to play it because, of course, pandemic. And then they re-released 
the or I guess they re-released the base game along with the expansion, and this was the deluxe edition. So the base game comes with the the sleeves and the inserts in there and, and the awards, which are just tokens in the game. The reflection edition, which is this is the interesting mechanic that comes along with it, is those inserts that go into the sleeves are now reversible. So when you get the plastic inserts, basically what it is, is there's a, you know, it's supposed to be a painted image. So it could be a boat, it could be a clown, it could be a thunderbolt or whatever it is. So you take three of those different plastic inserts with a picture painted on it. And when you sleeve them all together, it makes a larger picture that, again, based upon how you place them in together, they don't overlap each other, which is great. This expansion allows 10 of these cards to be reversible, which means that like on one side, you might have doves. So it'll say as part of the picture that it's about peace and you flip it over and it'll say war. And instead of doves, you'll have the same shape painted on the other side, but now it's fighter planes. So that allows you to really mix up a lot of things, gives you a lot of additional choices Uh, There's also a number of different signature style cards, which again are just basically, hey, did you paint something that had animals or people or something in there? Cool. Here's some additional points to score just for you. There's two additional ribbon pins. And by ribbon pins, I mean actual ribbon pins that you can pin on yourself, best in show and things like that. Those are kind of like, you know, who thought someone had the best painting and, and such. They're not necessarily as far as the gameplay is concerned. It's just a little cute kind of add-on in case you don't want to play by the rules and you just want to kind of paint really cool kind of pictures. So the game provides additional wooden tokens in the game and an additional board. Now, the board is really kind of essential for me and the expansion is kind of essential for me for this game because when you play the base game alone and you're able to choose from the market of cards you only are going to have five cards to choose from. But when you play with the expansion, now you have eight cards to choose from. Now, if you're painting a picture or choosing these plastic insert images, you want to have as many choices as possible to score as many points, but also feel satisfied that you actually put together an image that you're really happy with. So more choices are better. Um, More inspiration tokens. Those are great. Everything in the game is, is quality. Nice wooden tokens, nice images throughout. All the artwork is really nice. A lot of opportunities to score points. So, yeah, you're you're basically doing a set collection. You're trying to create a masterpiece and a best in show, and you're trying to get the most victory points. Very simplistic set collection game. A lot of ways to score points. Canvas Reflection, Deluxe Edition. Gets a play for me. It's still a very expensive version of a game that is very light, I appreciate the artwork. I appreciate the ingenuity of putting together a work of art. And I don't think there are, to my knowledge. I mean, there is a lot of games now more than ever that use this kind of slotting system to craft a card. But I can't think of a game that does a better job at the moment that allows you to like actually create a picture other, other than scribbling on a pad somewhere. What do you think, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. It's a tough one because um, it is pretty and it does a lot of nice things. And like, it was fun to go through the process of building the, the paintings. But at the end, it, it almost felt like more like an activity than a game. Mm-hmm. Um, game experience, as we used to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because 
like there's certainly things you're trying to do, but you only have so much control over how effectively you can do them, right? Because you you're limited on what cards you can take into your hand. You're limited on how many you can hold in your hand before you have to make a painting. Mm-hmm. So you're really only going to pull at most 15 cards in the game. And sure. then you have to try to min-max how they kind of go together, which you yeah. could do. Or you could just make a picture that looks cool, but they're almost <laughs> mutually exclusive. Like, like I made one. I was like, all right, I'm going to maximize the points. And it looked ridiculous. It was like, you know, a, a meatball sitting on top of a tower with a car driving by. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not pretty. That's kind of dumb. Um, so I wasn't happy with that one. And so, like, thinking about it as a family game, I'm like, if I played it with my kids, like, well, my daughter, especially, she's going to want to make a pretty picture. And she will. But then it probably won't score many points because she won't be thinking about that. And then she'll get mm. upset. And so I just I can't imagine playing this with my kids where they're going to come at it with different goals. So like mm. you have the. It, it's almost like interacting with the art is more interesting than building it. So I don't know. It, I thought it was really cool. It was an interesting idea. And with the right group of people, it would certainly work well. Um, but I feel sure. like with the wrong group or the lo- wrong meshing of groups of different goals, it wouldn't. So I, I don't. I certainly wouldn't pay that much for it. That's for sure. Yeah, that's honestly, that was the reason why I I kind of avoided it when it first came out. And I was, you know, I was like, all right, I get it. I get why people like it. Like you said, as far as the game's concerned, you know, my, my strategy in the game was like, oh, I wanted to score points, but I was focusing primarily on one scoring goal, which was, I think was the silver one, which was nice because you got points for the, the different symbols in your card, but I didn't focus on what the picture looked like, nor did I, I focus on what the actual big scoring opportunities were. I was like, Oh, this is a pretty cool mechanic. I like this idea. But at the same time, as you mentioned, like, do you want to win the game or do you want to put together the most innovative pictures possible? And again, it depends on your group. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Cause otherwise draw five cards, build a picture, draw five cards, build a picture and the market's available. You know, there is opportunities. Like I I did a little bit of um, century spice road where just took a card because it had all the inspiration tokens on it. So I could kind of like, you know, pick the better cards that I wanted later. And I was like, all right, cool. That's, that's a game mechanic that I, I kind of recognize. But again, the price is quite high for what it is. Again, every game is good is not meant for every gamer, and every game's not meant for every group. So maybe this is a thing. But I do think, and the reason why I'm okay with purchasing, even though it was expensive, was again the idea of the artwork is expensive to to purchase for a game. And I think the idea of if someone said to me, "I want to paint," do you have a board game that you paint a picture? This would be it. Like if I had a, if I had to show somebody a game that like you make art, this would be basically it. Although. To be honest, I would certainly like to see a better game than that. I think there's there's other things to do. I mean, the only thing I think is like Fresco, where you you put together the tiles, but even that's not that's kind of like pre-established. There, there's deterministic of what's that's going to put together. So, right, Canvas and Canvas Reflection Deluxe Edition. Check it out if you can. Pay for it if you want. Again, pricey, <laughs> but um, you know, independent people putting this game out. Not not your big Asmo days. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's going on at the table. Let's talk about our feature review. So our feature review this week, of course, is the super hotness around the coolest games out there. We're talking about Board Game Geek's hotness list. This is where we talk about all the latest and the greatest in board gaming. 
So, Anthony, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of news and a lot of games burning up the market. So why don't you take us down it and let us know what's great? Will do. Uh, so Board Game Geek has a list of 50 on the hotness. And when we do this, if you're new to it, uh, just kind of scan through and, and find things that are interesting. Some games pop up here a lot. Some games, it's just because of a new edition or maybe we've talked about it recently. And sometimes it's an older game and we're like, why is this here? And so those are always the most fun to talk about. So uh, first one I wanted to mention is number 48. We have Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. So this is a the 25th anniversary of Twilight Imperium. And so Fantasy Flight's marketing team has been doing some stuff. Not much. <laughs> like, I feel like if uh, Christian Anderson was still running the company, we'd probably be getting a lot more stuff this year. But they did mysteriously mention some announcement for Twilight Imperium coming in a couple weeks. So people are speculating if that's new content or not. Probably not based on what they've been doing. But that's probably why it's here. People are talking about it. Um, number 47 is Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, the Discovery Foundations and Crisis Expansion. Uh, this was on Kickstarter. It just finished actually today that we're recording this. And so it'll probably drop off the list for a few months and then come back when they ship those out. So <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, it's a good game. We'll see if the expansions add anything to it. Um, Terra Mystica is up to number 44. And that is because the big box uh, release from Capstone Games and the Automa, the solo version of the game. Um, I don't know if the big box is shipped out yet, but the Automa has because mine is in the mail. I think it's coming tomorrow. So uh, definitely more people getting this to the table as new content comes out for it. Um, number 41 is Long Shot the Dice Game. This is this was an interesting one. Do you remember playing Long Shot back in Myriad Days? I do. I remember that game. It was, uh, I, w- I remember seeing this pop up. I was like, really? You brought this back? I mean, it wasn't a bad game mechanically, but I was just really shocked that they brought this game back out again. Yeah, it's strange. So, <laughs> it's that, but I, people. I, I, I had to like double, I had, I had to take like a double take. I just like, really? No, really? No, this? I remember this? This? Really? Okay, I guess. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's it's an old game too, and then yeah, they're bringing it back as a dice game, and it honestly it makes more sense as a dice game. I think it's a it's a betting game, so make it dice. Um, moving up the list, we got number thirty nine is Last Light. This is interesting because it's from Gray Fox Games. It's a new one that um, it just recently announced, but it's from Roy Canaday, who's the one of the video editors for the Dice Tower. So you've probably seen him a whole bunch um, on the Dice Tower videos. So it's just I believe his first game. That's why it's kind of up here on the hotness. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, I'm almost certainly saying this wrong. Tile Tum. <laughs> this is the new uh, Simone Luciano, Luciani and Daniel Tashini joint effort uh, based on, uh, well, Europe Ec- economics in Europe in the golden age of the Renaissance, your merchants, etc., etc., trade contracts, etc. Um, it's a dice management game from Luciani and Tashini. So I'm a hundred percent automatically on board, whatever it is. Uh, and <laughs> this is coming out later this year. So I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, there's not a lot of information available just yet though. Um, we have moving up the list castles of Burgundy at 34 for all the reasons we talked about in my acquisition disorder. So <laughs> people are getting hyped for that game. I know I am. 
Um, a lot of familiar games on the list here. Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, Wingspan. Um, the Great Wall is one of the more recent Awakened Realms releases. We haven't had a chance to play that yet, but I do have a copy that came in. Uh, looking forward to getting that to the table at some point. Um, Age of Rome is a new uh, game that was announced not too long ago, uh, coming to Kickstarter soon. So this is a worker placement game on a big, broad Kickstarter scale. Uh, and it it looks to be interesting. It's, it's coming out next year because it's obviously it's going to be on Kickstarter this year. But it's from uh, two first-time designers. So we don't really have a lot of information about the type of games that they make. But city building, ancient Rome, mix in a bunch of different mechanics. Looking forward to seeing what they do with it. Uh, 23, you mentioned this one before we recorded today. Uh, Perseverance, Castaway Chronicles, Episodes 1 and 2. So this was the um, Mind Clash game that we, we talked about this at some length when it was on Kickstarter. We couldn't figure out what it was. Right. Like, yeah. I still don't know what it is. I I've seen people know. unboxing it and all the stuff in this giant box. And I'm like, I still don't know what this game is. <laughs> I still have. I, other than the fact that I I, I don't even know. I, I want to make a joke here, but I don't even know what the joke is because I don't know what this game is. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, it's I'm sure it's good if you have the patience and fortitude to get through all the rules and organize all the bits and find a giant enough table for it. Um I, I didn't. I gave, I gave in on that, and I just didn't back it at all. So I feel like uh, it's the most Mind Clash game that a Mind Clash game could Mind Clash. I know. <laughs> like, if you know Mind Clash games, and I and I love Tricarion. I, I own the super mm-hmm. gigantic big box. I bought the original edition. Big fan. Big fan of the company. Big fan of everything. I just, I looked at, I just remember reading through the Kickstarter, and I was just, like, glazing over at some point. I was like, I need to lay down. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't, I can't do this. <laughs> It, you know what it reminded me of? And I know this isn't the case because they're their own company and this has never been the case, but mm-hmm. it reminds me of like when an, a book author gets really big and their editor stops cutting things. Yeah. They're like I can write whatever I want until you get like 1400 pages where, you know, one character walks 600 feet across a room, right? <laughs> nothing yeah. happens. And I'm not saying nothing happens in this game, but it seems like they're just like every idea goes in the box. Every idea to the point where it's hard to describe what the game actually is. But so. I think that's that's been most of their games. That's true. Yeah. I mean, they're known for that. They're known of like everything in the kitchen sink. I mean, if, if there's any company that does that, it's them. Yeah. And again, it's not the end of the world. I mean, sometimes it does work out more or less, but I, I do think it's obtuse in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, they, they make it work. I would say half the time. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, all right. Number 21 on the list is Root. My number two game of all time. Uh, new content coming soon for Root. The Marauders expansion, I believe it's called. I, I should know this. I backed it. <laughs> it's coming soon, though. Um, I think they're getting ready to ship that stuff out. So very excited. New content for Root. Always a happy day. Uh, number 20, Marvel Champions, a card game. Also new content. Sinister Motives. The... Spider-Man expansion just released this last week or today, actually, that we're recording this. Mine showed up in the mail today. Uh, so new content again, Marvel Champions, new content. I don't I don't think they've actually had new content since like November. They've had a weird release schedule. So um, very excited to get that back to the table. Uh, <clears throat> number 18 on the list, Planet Unknown. Uh, this is a new game from Adam's Apple Games. 
and we know them because they made a game where you built a three-dimensional sword which yes. sword crafters i remember that yeah, yeah that was it was thing. it was yeah. a lot of fun um mm-hmm. it doesn't hold up for super long eventually they start to the pieces don't hold up super great and my son did a number on them but we did definitely had a lot of fun playing through that game so okay. this is a uh, a new game of theirs that is coming to kickstarter soon with a whole bunch of polyominoes and space uh, exploration. Two things uh, I love. So I'm keeping no, an eye on no. <laughs> I know. You're like instantly out. You're like, ooh, this 3D sword people. Oh, polyominoes. Nothing. Oh, polyominoes. I'm out. <laughs> um, next up, we got Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon. This is, I don't know, one of those big box games from Awakened Realms. Um, I think we've mentioned them three times on this episode. That's funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was a big, big sprawling story game. And I, I don't know why it's specifically on the hotness right now. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they have new content on the way. I could not find a specific piece of content they're releasing. But it is up quite a bit on the list. So probably. <laughs> uh, number 14, Return to Dark Tower. This was shipping. It's been shipping for the, like the last month or so. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people getting this to the table. It's big. It's sprawling. Lots of cool pictures. Uh, neither one of us went out on this because of the ridiculous cost, but yeah, this, this was a game that I, that really hit me hard. I mean, I think this, I think this is my nostalgia grail game. I mean, if there was any game I could have, it would be the original war of the ring, super deluxe, mm. amazing edition. But barring that, it would probably be the original dark tower game. Cause it's what I, you know, I grew up as a kid and it was so fascinating you know, I was into like D and D at the time, and this was a board game, and the the sounds are so iconic, and and then this came, and this came out, and I was just like, oh, okay. And then <clears throat> the one thing that the one caveat that I had about this game, and I said in advance, I'm like, if this uses an app, I'm out. And I just because mm. I am still not convinced that like five years from now that this app is going to be able to work, or I'm going to, I just can't. I wanted a tower that could just do the tower things. And that's right. not what this is. And again, like you said, it's all the monies. And again, God bless. If you pick this up, I am jealous that you did. So go more for you. But I, I wanted just a tower that did a thing. I just, I just needed the tower to do the thing, man. I just, yeah, I can't, I can't, you know, but no, you're right though. Like you can still find towers from the eighties that work in yeah. 40 years. You're not going to, be able to play this game <laughs> it's no. not gonna work <laughs> no i mean there's there's I, there's apps on my phone and disappear after two three years so i don't i don't know how much follow through and again it's one of those situations which were restoration games with like was it fireball island or stuff like that like these games at some point because they they know and feel and because they produce so many of them they often go on like massive sales not that you'll get mm-hmm. all the kickstarter stuff but you could typically get these games for a reasonable price later on so right. I'll look at it, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'll definitely keep an eye out for it. But yeah, it's it's got to be much cheaper than that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, number 13, Nightmare Cathedral. This is a new one from Board and Dice, and it is more or less exactly what it sounds like. It's a Nightmare Cathedral. <laughs> that you're. It's based on artwork by a uh, surrealist Polish painter and sculptor. Uh, okay. And so it's got a very consistent visual theme throughout so either you're either gonna like it or not because it's you know it's kind of the creepy <laughs> dark um like it's it's very good it just 
it's horror, right? So it's you're going to have to want sure. a horror theme. Um, but it, it's very cool. I love this one that designers and developers, they take an artist's work and they build a game around it. Yeah. Then it it's going to be consistent throughout, right? Yeah. And, and I think that I'm not a big horror fan myself, but I appreciate the fact that typically we don't have a lot of horror games, like straight up horror games. Not like, oh, there's a monster. Like there's a thousand of those, but like mm-hmm. a game that's based around this. And I, and I think the success of Kingdom Death Monster just goes to show that there is a huge audience for this. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, more power to them. And also uh, stay away from me, especially at night, because I don't you're, you're scary. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, we have a new one from Devere called Lacrimosa. This is a very cool sounding theme. I, I hope this game is good. Um, mm-hmm. You are participating in the completion of Mozart's last piece, the Requiem. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so it's a music game. There are not a lot of good music games. There so. you go. See, it's something else. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's cool. Um, the designers of this, uh, Gerard Asensi and Ferran Renalius, both worked on On the Origin of Species, which is a <laughs> relatively light but very interesting game based on On the Origin of Species from Darwin. So mm-hmm. they have some experience working with these kind of, I don't want to say archaic, but like historical themes, which I think are very cool. Yeah, I love the cover. The cover's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just in mid-conduct. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, Devere really just does play outside the box. You know, no pun intended. So I'm interested to see what what actually comes out of this. And again, like you said, there's not a lot of great music games out here. So yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number ten is Dead Reckoning. This is a mm-hmm. card crafting game with some four X elements from John D. Clare and AEG. Uh, big old box of stuff. We saw we saw this box actually. We did not get a chance to play it, but there's a lot in here. Um, I'm I'm always skeptical of card crafting games with too many components because oh there's a lot going on. But there's a lot here. Yeah, I would like to play it at some point though. I like to play it too. I, I don't know. Like I'm just I'm a little pirated out. I feel like mm. you know the pirate zombie thing. I need a break. Bring you know get come back to me later. You know. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. Next up, we have Island Alone. This is sitting at number six on the list. This was a Kickstarter not too long ago. It's uh, from Hammer Dice, which makes print and play games. And it is a one to four player game, uh, roll and write about being on a deserted island. So it looks interesting. I'm actually considering printing it out just as a print and play solo game nice. uh, because it looks relatively simple and quick. And it's like mm-hmm. $8, I think to purchase the print and play, which is not bad. Very cool. Uh, number five is Bard Sung. This is a new game from Steamforged Games, uh, who made the Dark Souls game, um, Guild Ball, Resident Evil 2, like a lot of those big miniature games with 43 boxes. This is another one. So uh, Kickstarter all the way. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. It's got big, scary looking miniatures and you're going on adventure. I don't know. I, you know how I get with these games. I'm just like, I, I can't dig into all the lore and tell you what the game's about. It's one of those games. If it's for you, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, Arc Nova sitting at number four still. No major change. Uh, number three, Agricola 15. And most of the reason it's there is because people are grumpy about it. We're grumpy. <laughs> grumpy. Do better. Uh, Arcs, number two. This is yeah. a new game coming from leader game it's cole worley's mm-hmm. new game super excited for this this is this science is real fiction 
Yeah, this is. I don't. I mean, I really let, let me get let me get your thoughts on this, Anthony. Not to interrupt you here because this is something that I've really been interested in, and I've been sitting on the sidelines here with with. I, I do have a a big fandom for uh, leader games here and Cole Worley especially, but this might actually be the game I jump in on, man. I'm mm. telling you. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, definitely. Because it's, I mean, all of his games are comp. I don't know the best way to say it. They're they're complex, right? They have a lot of elements to them. They're very well thought out. They're and and they either work for you or they don't. But there's never anything like mechanically wrong with them, right? They're always very very tight and well made. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oath was it's a brilliant game, but it's really hard to get to the table because of how much it asks of you. Like you have to play it a bunch of times. It's a lot to wrap your head around. This seems to take that idea and kind of boil it down. So mm-hmm. instead of needing to play it a dozen times to really get the most out of it. This is you play three times, very short campaigns, right? Which is very cool. This idea mm-hmm. that you can get three games of about an hour and a half each in, and that's your complete experience. But also there's the option to play like a two game version or a one game version. Um, and then you still have all like the multiple control factions that you have, like in a route where everybody starts with different things, which is very, very cool. So I'm super excited I want more information, and then when it goes up on Kickstarter, I'm I'm, I'm in as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think the one weird, interesting thing about this is it lists trick taking as one of its mechanics, right? Right. I wonder Doesn't how. That... <laughs> 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 but I I like the artwork. It's it's everything that leader games they're they're kind of cutesy artwork, geometric kind of shapes, and like it's darker. You know, it's it's like that darker universe kind of thing. And if you can and again, it, 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 it the way they're talking about the game is that it does have that kind of questionable, challenging, asymmetrical, you know, races, which, again, uh, but it also does say that you could play the game in an hour, an hour and a half. And I like that idea. So, yeah, because that's that's really where the games break down if they if if it's that complex of a game and you're playing for two through two, three hours. So. Right. And most of Whirly's games are shorter. Like Root is a 90 mm-hmm. minute game. Pax Premier is a 90 minute game uh, or shorter. Uh, Oath is like the weird oddball where the first time you play that, it's three or four hours. And it's just like, this is really long for one of his games. And it's a lot. To yeah. So I'm, I'm also glad it's going back to like something simpler, more streamlined. Nice. All right. And number one, I'm pretty sure is up here as a joke, uh, but you never really know. Um, it's the quest for El Dorado. This is Reiner Knizia's deck building game, which is a fantastic game, but it's also like six or seven years old at this point. So I went into the thread and people's theory on why it started to go up on the list is that Shut Up and Sit Down recently mentioned it as the world's best deck building game. Um, which Really? There you have it. No, <laughs> it's a very good deck building game, but it's, I think it's part of that's because you were doing other things. It's not just a deck building game. Sure. Um, uh, Kinesia has recently mentioned he's working on multiple new expansions for it as well. And then there's the, the new artwork, which honestly released like a year ago, uh, the Vincent Tua artwork, but mm-hmm. you know, it, all those things. So it started to go up in the list. And then I think people, this happens. There's like a feedback loop that happens on here where people start looking to see why it's on the list. And then that pushes it higher on the list because the hotness is based on activity <laughs> within those forums. And then yeah. once it got high enough, people were like doing it on purpose. So yeah. um, the fact that Agricola is not up here at number one with all the 
conversation happening there is is interesting or arcs just with announcement of a new Cole Worley game. So there you have it. Quest for El Dorado, a very good game that you should play. You should. It's a good game. Yeah. And it's relatively reasonably priced as well. Yeah. Which is also very hard to find these days. So you'll get a lot out of that game. Definitely recommend that. All right, everyone. So that's everything for this time. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. See ya.